Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. Okay, it's very nice to see you all. Um, we're doing our series on Love Dares You, and this is, I think, the fourth, maybe the fifth um, thing to Love Dares You. So Love Dares You is to do with... From a place of knowing we're loved, from a place of intimacy with God, from a place of experiencing that and knowing that, stepping out and doing things that are challenging, stepping out and doing things that put us beyond our comfort zone, stepping out and doing things that are an adventure in terms of this is something that I would have before been afraid or scared to do or worried about doing, but I'm going to step out and stand. It could be anything. It could be... It could be um, stepping out against the fear of people's opinion of us it could be stepping out in fear against our lack of finances it could be stepping out in fear against sharing the gospel with a friend it could be stepping out in fear of praying for a homeless person it could be stepping out in fear against goodness knows what they're all individual and bespoke things but those things which for me and for us individually kind of pen us back they're the kind of areas where I don't go there it's the kind of fence that restricts and limits the next step I go into the next phase I go into the next area I explore so It's about stepping out in spite of those areas of fear and anxiety. And sometimes it's different things that catch us out. So Sai talked about a few weeks ago about sometimes cynicism being something that stops him from stepping out or doing those kind of things. Sometimes, um, for me, it, it, it can be fear of people's opinions. What I want to talk about today is I want to talk about this idea of disappointment being something that can sometimes pen and keep me back in. I'm going to invite you, in a, perhaps this is scary in itself, invite you into a little journey into my kind of mind and my world to kind of show how that for me has been an area of, of restriction and stopping me from stepping out into all that God has for me, stopping me from conf- facing and going into situations where because I'm scared of disappointment or I'm worried about that not working out, I'm worried about it kind of ending up in a way that that is disappointing or that is that is not what I want it to be and therefore for me that that that, that sometimes is an area where I'll, the kind of love dares you think faces it's like okay will you do you dare step out in the face of potential disappointment do you dare step out in the face of potential failure in this situation um and so what I kind of talk a bit about that from my own perspective and hopefully that will bring a sense of freedom and a sense of liberty to all of us um as I kind of share from my own point of view with that so First thing, um, there are two main areas in my kind of thinking and praying. I was praying about this and I was thinking, okay, God, well, I want to talk about disappointment, but how do I go about that? But there's two main areas that he kind of felt that God sort of directed towards to do with disappointment. The first one is what I'm going to focus on now is to do with disappointment that becomes as a result of comparison. The disappointment that becomes when I sit and I go, okay, what I am doing, what I am like, what I am experiencing, what I am facing right now, is nothing compared to that. It's nothing compared to person X over there, or person Y over there, or person B that stands right beside me. Okay, and therefore there's a disappointment that enters in. The second kind of disappointment is very different, and I think it has a very different place. And that is disappointment to do with the things that I am assigned, or called, or purposed to do. And the way that I face those two types of disappointment is, has to be different. Because when I face disappointment to do with comparison, 
that is a disappointment that I am almost in one sense bringing on myself. When I compare myself to somebody else, I'm always going to end up disappointed because I'm never going to be the same as they are. But when I face disappointment in what God has called and assigned me to do, that is, that is not something that I pull away from. I pull away from comparison and go, actually, I'm not going to compare myself anymore. It doesn't help, it just leads to disappointment. But I'm not going to pull away from pursuing what God's called me to do. And therefore, there's a way of, for me, and it, it, was, it was enlightening for me because I was thinking, actually, yeah, they are completely distinct. And the way that I face those two things is completely distinct. And I, I've struggled with both, both aspects. Disappointment when I compare, but also disappointment when I'm doing what I feel God is calling me to do and it just doesn't work out, it just doesn't happen. So I want to look at the first one, the disappointment when I compare. And I want you to just go to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 14. One Corinthians twelve verse fourteen says this: For in fact, so this is in the context of comparison. It's an amazing thing. Just in your minds, l- listen to the language because there's two ways that we compare. Both those ways, I believe, are from the same foundation. But there's two ways in which we compare. Verse fourteen: For in fact, the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, "Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body," it is therefore, sorry, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be the weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which seem to be the less honourable, on these bestow greater honour. And on our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body having greater honour to the part which lacks it. That there, that there should be no schism or separation in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Two different perspectives. The first one, kind of summarising this statement here. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. For me, in my own walk, that is often an attitude that I can have. If I'm not like Adam... I'm not as good. If I'm not like Ella, I'm not as good. If I'm not like such and such, I'm not as good. That there gets this comparison, and that comparison leads to disappointment. That comparison leads to me constantly feeling I'm not as good. And therefore what happens is, I then go, what's the point? Let Ella, let Adam, let Lizzie, let... Ali, let Luke step out and do those things. I won't because I am not needed. Because when I compare myself, I'm not as good. I don't measure up. I can't do what they do. I'm not like them. I don't do that. The second one, interestingly, is summed up in this line here. And it says this. Um, verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The second attitude goes like this, because you're not like me, you're not as good. 
So Luke, you're not like me, so therefore you're not as good. Ellie, you're not like me, and therefore you're not as good. Both of the attitudes of either, I'm not like Adam, I'm not like Luke, so I'm no good. But also the attitude of, you're not like me, so you're no good. Both attitudes come from this idea of comparison. And comparison comes from a point of view of insecurity. Whether I'm going, Adam's better than me, or I'm going, I'm better than you. Both attitudes come from a point of view of, I'm not secure in who I am. I'm not secure in what, in the context. I'm not secure that I'm an I. I'm not secure that I'm a foot. I'm not secure that I'm a toenail. I'm not secure that I'm an eyelash, or whatever it may be. Um, the point is it comes from insecurity. And, the, and, it, and it comes from a place where, for me, in my own walk, I can find myself slip into both. I can find myself constantly slip into the mindset of, I'm, when, I, when I look or I listen or I, I try, I see things and go, look at what they're doing. Look at what's happening in their life. Look at the breakthrough there. Look, look at the amazing testimony of what God's doing there. Look at their job. Look at their family. Look at whatever it may be. Look at how things are going for them. And it leads to disappointment. The other interesting thing is I can do this and go, look at that success or look at that person and to try and make myself feel better, go, well, that's not very good, is it? Look at their attitude in that. Look at the way they conduct themselves there. I'm better than that. I don't do that. Despite what they look like, I'm much better than that. And both leave from this point of insecurity, me going, actually, I don't feel good enough about me. Because when I have a revelation of who I have been called to be, and who God has graced me to be, and who he's gifted me to be, and who he's, who he's the, the assignment he's given me to complete, and when I find rest in that, suddenly the comparison stops. And what actually happens is I start to celebrate difference. I love the fact you're an eye. I love the fact you're a foot. I love the fact that I am a, an elbow. Okay? I love that fact because I suddenly realize actually I find my purpose and my assignment and my calling. And when I find that for myself, I become a, a light, a vessel, a point that says actually I'm going to celebrate you as well. Because I found security for me. And that, that, therefore, that kind of disappointment that, that kind of comes from comparison is something that, by the love and the grace of God, because the amazing thing about this, if you continue to read, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we read through the rest of this kind of um, discourse from Paul about the body and the parts and things, and he, and he goes to verse 31, he says, look, but earnestly desire the best, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he talks about love. The, the, the best in the context we've talked about it many many times the best in the context is, is that it is love and love we know from 1 John love is not that I love God but that he loves me and therefore the best is that God I just want to know how much you love me I want to know how, how, how pleased you are with me please I'll just, I thank you so much you love me I thank you so much you for me I thank you so much you, you believe in me I thank you so much you've called me and chosen me and what it starts to do is it's like a detox it starts to detox my body it starts to detox the way I think because in, in Timothy Paul says to Timothy he says look I've not given you a spirit of fear but I have given you a spirit of power love and of sound mind which means the spirit of fear affects power, love and sound mind in my life. So the spirit of fear affects the way that I think. The spirit of fear affects my ability or my power to believe I can do something. And the spirit of fear affects my love for people. 
But as I go, God, I thank you you love me. I thank you you've not given me a spirit of fear, but you've given me a spirit of power, love, and of sound mind. I thank you that you've chosen me. I thank you that you're pleased with me. I thank you that you've called me. As I'm starting to do those things, it's detoxing. It's detoxing the way that I think. It's detoxing the way that I speak. It's changing the way that I just, I feel. And I'm like, soon I'm starting to see who you've called me to be, but I'm also starting to see who you've called others to be. And it brings that freedom, that liberty, and therefore disappointment starts to go away because disappointment is rooted in the fact in this context that I'm not as good that I'm not as good and therefore that kind of comparative disappointment I, I, I say God I don't want anything to do with it at all I want to celebrate who you've made me so that therefore I can also celebrate who you've made others and therefore there becomes no schism there becomes no divide because I say God deal with the, that insecurity in me deal with that thing in me that says I'm not as good as them or they're not as good as me because both of those things are him saying, look, I want to address this stuff. I want to free this stuff. And it stops that disappointment. Now, the second one, disappointment to do with assignment, is a different thing entirely. Disappointment comparison, God, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to live in a life of comparison. Don't, don't live a life of kind of having myself constantly in my own mind put on a kind of equal match. Okay, I'm better on that, but not that. I want to get rid of that. So bring that sense of security and love in. But disappointment to do with assignment is connected... But it's different. Because when I'm disappointed to do what God's called me to do, that's not something I just do away with. I don't just go, well, I'm not going to worry about that then. That's different because I go, okay, God, I thank you you've called me to do this. I thank you you've chosen me to live this life. I thank you that you've given me this opportunity. And when I face disappointment, I'm not going to go, okay, well, forget it then. I'm going to go, okay, that's difficult, that's tough. But I'm going to use that disappointment as frustration. I'm going to use that disappointment as... Um, a kind of sense of intolerance that that's not okay that I use it to fuel something that for me personally I believe that in my life and there may be echoes of this in ours in, in ours as a community in ours as individuals that sometimes my life can become so insulated that I almost try and keep away disappointment and frustration to do with things because I get to the point I was talking to a life group the other day which is not a good sign of my eating habits but anyway let's just talk about it anyway I can finish work and I finish work and I'm starting leaving I don't know half three sorry half four quarter past four driving home and I know that when I get home wonderful Susie will have got dinner ready and it'll be ready when I get home and it's amazing but I might need to get petrol now I've left work and I don't really eat at work so I, I, when I leave I'm absolutely ravenous I don't think to myself right 45 minutes and I'm going to have dinner at home I think to myself 45 minutes wow 45 minutes I'll just get a little snack at the petrol station on my way home um, because my sense of um, hunger which is not really my sense of hunger demands that I get something to eat at the petrol station late on the way home um, still then eat dinner when I get home as well um, and it's even worse if the boys are having their dinner first because I'll end up picking at their dinner and then have my dinner later on and so I've just had like three things and it's just not good um, anyway it almost it, it embodies this sense of insulation that I don't allow myself to get to a point of, of hunger I don't experience it I don't experience in my life I've never experienced in my life a situation where I am so hungry that I will do anything for food I don't think I've gone a day other than in fasting when I've not eaten so I never get to the point of, of desperation of, of complete and utter um, need for food I believe I am I'm desperate for food because I'm not eating for an hour. Okay, 
But the reality is, I'm not really. And in the same way that I think sometimes in our westernised society, we're insulated from that, that kind of sense of like, I'm so frustrated, I'm so desperate for something, that I'll do anything for it. Because we insulate. So in my, in my pursuit, of, I, I, I face a disappointment in, I don't know, praying for the sick, let's say. Praying for the sick, and I've been praying for the sick, and I face this problem, and it's not happening. I don't allow myself to get to the point where I get so frustrated that I'm calling up to God and I'm praying and I'm giving time to it. Instead, I do stuff to, to insulate myself. I watch more TV because it removes my memory of the fact that I've wanted that. I play on my PlayStation more. I eat more. Whatever it may be, I do things that insulate me from that, that frustration because it, it takes my attention away from that thing. And it could be anything. It could be in seeing poverty eradicated it could be in seeing um, every homeless person in a house it could be in seeing um, groups that are excluded brought back in it could be anything but it's like when I face disappointment in those things I really believe for me it's to say okay yeah that, that, that is annoying that is disappointing that is frustrating and using that frustration to take me to a point where I'm so desperate for breakthrough in that thing that I'll do whatever it takes not whatever it takes in something that is illegal, but whatever it takes in terms of time, whatever it takes in terms of effort, whatever it takes in terms of, in terms of sacrifice, because I'm, got a, I'm desperate to see a breakthrough in the eradication of poverty. I'm desperate to see a breakthrough in seeing that the people I pray for get made well. I'm desperate to see a breakthrough in um, seeing homeless people put in homes. I'm desperate to see a breakthrough in seeing that people group just brought back and included. I'm desperate for a breakthrough. I'm almost allowing the disappointment in that momentary thing when I prayed for the sick and nothing's happened. Not just insulating that with some kind of pet theology, or maybe they didn't believe, or maybe I didn't believe, or maybe whatever, but, but not allowing that, or not allowing, actually, I'll just forget about it, I'll just go and do something different. But allowing, th- in that moment, that disappointment to be like, okay, yeah, that's a little bit more annoying now. And not knowing why, and not being able to explain why, but going, okay, God, but I know that's not you. And I know it's not what you have the best for, and I know you don't want to see poverty, and I know you don't want to see them excluded, and I know you don't want to see that person sick. And therefore allowing that to almost foster frustration and that kind of sense this this is not what you've said god this is not what you've given because it's to do with my assignment it's not to do with me comparing and thinking i'm not good enough now i'll make myself good enough that's not what it is it's about this is what you've called me to do that situation right now is not in line with what you say or what you who you are and therefore let it build in me that i will pursue you and i will draw into you and i'll sacrifice and do whatever it takes until we see breakthrough in that situation and i think somewhere for me personally i i insulate myself from that i protect myself from that because it's hard it's hard to be in that situation where i go god i don't understand this i haven't got the foggiest idea about why this is not changing i haven't got a clue and not go therefore i give up and not go therefore, oh, never mind, perhaps it's not whatever it may be. But to go, actually, God, no, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be tenacious. I'm going to be determined to see this breakthrough. And I think that sense of frustration leads us somewhere sometimes. And that's where I just want to go to next. I just want you to go to Mark 10. I've set myself some homework, and I'd encourage you, if you've got time, to have a look at it as well. Mark 10 verse 46 is about blind Bartimaeus. Um, The homework is to do with this story, but it's to do with what Jesus does in this story more than anything else. So I'll read what he does, and then I'll I'll talk about what I'm going to start looking for. Mark 10 verse 46 says this. Um, 
Amen. Now, they came to Jericho, talking about Jesus and disciples, as he went out of Jericho, I love that, they came to Jericho, as they went out of Jericho, with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he'd heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, and he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. Just a little sign. I don't you love the fact that the same people told him to be quiet, and then going, Oh, he's calling you, you come now. It's great, like the, the, the shift in their attitude towards blind Bartimaeus. Anyway, that's beside the point. Verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. I don't know how he did that, because he's blind, but anyway, he managed to do that. Verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now there's so much in this. First thing, and this is my homework. Jesus came into Jericho and then was going out of Jericho. Jesus did not go to blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus called out to Jesus. Now my homework is, I want to find out the amount of times that happens. Because somewhere in my thinking I go, no, if God, God wants me to have it, he'll bring it to me. If it's God's will for my life, it will happen. And I believe in that, to a point, at points. But I believe like in any relationship, there's two sides. In my relationship with Susie, it's not always, well, if Susie wants me to know she loves me, she'll just let me know. Okay? That happens. But there's also points where I go, Susie, I feel a bit like this minute. Oh, no, of course. And then I make the request. I make the kind of initiative to say, Susie, I, I feel like this right now. Or actually, I'm going through this right now. And she responds to what I've done. And there's other points where, where she, just because of who she is, she initiates that. And the same with me. There's points when... I initiate it. There's points where she goes, Steve, I feel a bit like this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Then I respond. But it's the same with Jesus. There's accounts. Jesus, blind Bartimaeus, the woman with the issue of blood. Zacchaeus. There's multiple examples where Jesus was going in a way and the person made the demand on Jesus. The person made the demand on Jesus because they knew something about Jesus. It says when blind Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus, then he cried out. That tells you that the, the blind man knew something about the character and the nature and the identity of Jesus. Knowing that if I call out, he'll respond. The same with the woman with the issue of blood, that, that it says that she said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. That she knew something about who this Jesus was. She said, if I can get there, he'll make me well. So it's not about a God who's going, right, if you want it enough, come and get it. It's not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't mean that. It's about going, okay, God, I know you. I know you. When I'm praying for this person that's sick, when I'm wanting to see homeless people housed, when I'm wanting to see poverty eradicated, that people group included, I know you want all those things. I know it. And there, but there's something about this issue where I'm just going to call out for it. That in my frustration, it's not like, God, why are you not doing this? And going, God, if you want it to be, you'll just bring it to me. It's going, no, no, I'm going to be tenacious. I'm going to want to say, God, this is what's going to happen. I'm calling out to you. And it's the amazing thing about this story is, is Brian Bartimaeus is told to be quiet. He's told to shut up. How many times in my life, 
when I am doing something and the voices in my own mind, the voices of people around me, the voices of circumstances going, no, Steve, just be quiet. Just let up right now. It's not going to change. It's not going to happen. How often do I go, okay, yeah, maybe not. He got louder. Because he caught something. No, no, this is not okay. I'm not meant to be blind. Jesus can make me see. Did he caught something about who Jesus was? Have I caught something about who God is that says, actually, no, that person's not meant to be sick. That person's not meant to be homeless. That people group are not meant to be excluded. Am I willing to go, okay, no, I'm going to keep crying out. I'm going to keep calling out no matter who tells me to shut up. No matter who tries to put me down, even if it's my own insecurity, my own sense of fear, whatever it might be that's speaking to me, saying, Steve, just quieten down. Am I going to go and I'm going to cry even louder? I'm going to shout even louder? No matter what happens. Because I've caught something. I know, oh, it's Jesus. I know he wants to see this situation broken through it. And it's that kind of tenacity, that kind of disappointment. It's, it's that kind of, when I feel disappointed, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I cry out and then sometimes I be quiet. Oh, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Absolutely not. I cry out and sometimes it's quiet. Oh, that disappointment. Okay, I'm going to cry even louder. I'm going to go even more. Because that disappointment, that moment of, of discouragement, that moment of like, it's just not working the way that I thought it was going to work, that is not going to stop me from calling out. That's just going to be a situation that goes, I'm going to call even louder. Because I believe something. I've seen something. I've caught something. And therefore I'm going to call out even louder. There's so much in I'm trying to keep on my notes. The amazing thing about this as well is when he eventually came to Jesus... Did Jesus ask him what he wanted? He's called blind Bartimaeus in the scriptures. He would look blind. When, when you see blind people, you can tell on most of the time that they're blind. Whether it's because they don't make eye contact with you, they look up, or they're just physically, you can see that there's someone you can tell. Jesus is not unaware that this guy's blind. But again, it's this kind of thing of Jesus saying, okay, what, what do you actually want? Is it that you want some money? Because you're begging. Is it that, that that's what you want? Is it that you want me to pray for comfort for you? Or you want the attention? Or do you want some sympathy? Because all those things could have been things that blind Bartimaeus wanted. That in my circumstances, do I sometimes want freedom from the thing that enables me to follow Jesus or do I sometimes want just to feel a bit better in the situation because sometimes the freedom from the thing that, that stops me from following Jesus is, can sometimes lead to a, a kind of dangerous and exciting adventure with Jesus and the thing of just being feeling better can keep me just comfortable do I want in a situation freedom from the opinions of people that make me feel uncomfortable and the way they say people might not like me people might not think well of me might think what I'm saying is stupid do I want freedom from that in the way that God I want everyone to speak well of me or do I want freedom from the fear of people's opinions 
Because freedom from the fear of people's opinions enables me to live a life that follows Jesus. People just speaking well of me just keeps me comfortable. And I believe that Jesus again is saying, look, what do you want? Do you want just to be a bit more comfortable in, in your begging situation? Do you want to just be a bit more comfortable in your current place of sitting there? Do you want just life to be a bit easier in that place? Do you want just a bit more money? Do you want just a bit more kind of kudos? Do you want me just to say, you know, this guy's a great beggar, make sure you help him out, or whatever it may be. Or do you want freedom from the thing that kind of enables you to follow Jesus? Do you want it? And he goes, yeah, I want to be free. I want want to receive my sight. And then it says, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. That for blind Bartimaeus, receiving his sight was a thing that stopped him. So him being blind was a thing that stopped him from following Jesus. What is it in my life that's stopping me from following him? What is it in my life that's stopping me that? And, and when I cry out and say, God, look, I want to see these situations transformed. He said, okay, what, what do you want? Do you want just the circumstance to change or do you want you to change to enable you to change those situations? And that's harder. Because that means there's going to potentially be situations where I'm going to have to face. Blind Bartimaeus had to leave his livelihood. His identity was a t- tied into the fact he was blind Bartimaeus, the beggar. Am I willing to leave my identity? Am I willing to leave the place where I'm defined, where I'm secure, where I'm comfortable? That's Steve, he's a good guy, he does this. To being, that's Steve, we don't actually like him very much because he does this. Because to me, that's a big shift. Personally, that, that's a big shift. To shift from doing, doing things that, oh, everyone just speaks well of me, that's fantastic, to actually doing what Jesus is coming to do that sometimes will offend. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to let God free me from my fear that actually ultimately means I face those fears? Because freedom from fear doesn't mean I just feel comfortable. Freedom from fear means I face the thing that scared me before. And that's tough. But that's the adventure of following Jesus. And that, that, that's what happens when if I face disappointment in my own life, the, the, the disappointments I'm facing, then God, I'm not just letting it just be that way. I'm not just letting it be that way. I'm going to cry out even more. And those voices that tell me to shut up and be quiet, I'm like, no, I'm going to call out even more. I'm going to call out even more. I'm going to call out even more. Because there's a tenacity that, God, I'm going to... When I, I, I know it's you. That it's not just whatever will be, will be. Whatever happens, happens. I believe that happens. There's, there's some points where God just comes in and we have no idea how on earth that's happened. We haven't done anything. Nothing's happened. Just, it just, it's just, a, just happens. But there's other times in life where it's like, no, God, I'm going to... There's a tenacity. There's a, I'm going to make and call out and cry out. It's not about working for it. It's not that. It's about catching the identity of who he is and going, God, thank you so much. That's who you are. Blind Master like, didn't, didn't have to work for his healing. It was a grace gift from Jesus. But he called out for it. The woman with the issue of blood didn't work for her healing. But she grabbed out for it. It's that idea again of escalated Christianity that we get on and we believe we just get taken to the destination that God's God has called for. But actually that, that's not what he's called us to do. He's called us to follow him, which, which is staircase, staircase Christianity, that step by step 
I move forward. Step by step, I take intention the next step. And some of the steps are gloriously straightforward. Like so you're bound up like 20 flights of stairs. It's just wonderful. And other times, the single step, the single step from here to here, is it feels like it's got everything I possibly have to make that tiny distance. And that's often because I'm facing things that are intrinsically just, God, I want to just receive easier life. No, no, I want to receive my sight. I want to receive that thing which frees me from being where I am right now, being the beggar on, on the street where that I don't want to receive the thing that frees me from being where I am right now to, to be able to follow you. And for each of us, that, that's different again. But sometimes that doesn't just happen. It's like, what do you want? What do you want? And the challenge for me is, wow, do I want it? And what do I want? I, I have found this week in my own personal kind of love dares you challenges that actually my biggest challenge has not been no, actually that's no, not true my challenges have not just been in facing the situations that scare me and stepping out in those which it has been I really it may ironically sound quite pathetic but it's interesting because I've obviously started a new job. I want to make a good impression in that place. And the opinions of people have been, and still to a point are, but it's lessening, which is wonderful, have been a challenge. And therefore, starting a new job is almost like that on like kind of overdrive. It's like I've got to create a good opinion because literally no one knows me. Um, and I remember that last week, I think it was, um, Levi wasn't very well on Tuesday and um, Susie's dad was coming to pick Levi up. Um... And I, I was, no, it was Wednesday. Susie's dad was coming to pick Levi up and I, I had a leadership meeting at school at quarter to eight. Um, and it was about, it takes about half an hour to get to work and it was about quarter past seven. Um, and I could feel in me the kind of like angst building, like I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late for my leadership meeting this morning at work in a new place. I, and I could feel it. Um, and Susie's dad wasn't here yet. Um, and she was... Um, no, no, you can go. And I was like, no, no, it's all right, I'll stay. You go. Take Zachary to school. I'll, I'll stay. And I was in my mind, I'm going, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go right now. I really want to go. But I was intentionally going, no, no, you go. It's fine. I'll stay. I'll wait till he gets there and then, then I'll go off to work. Um, and, it, and it sounds small because for some of us, that's a walk in the park. But that's the point of Love Dares You, that, that we face things for us that are challenges and that is, is in a way a small thing the world didn't end there wasn't really any issues of being late but in me it's an issue and therefore confronting that and going actually I'm not giving in to the fear because it, it, it wasn't a sense of honour or a sense of duty that was making me want to go it was a sense of fear and therefore it's going no, no I'm not going to give in to fear motivating me fear is not making me move I'm not moving because I'm scared I'm going to move because I choose to move and right now I'm choosing not to because I'm waiting for Susie's dad to get her to take Levi. But it's interesting, in moments like that, but also then in moments where everything's wonderful, and I've done something great at work, and I've done something brilliant, and everyone's going, oh, that, that's amazing, Steve, or oh, I've done something wonderful, and the boy's like, oh, daddy, that was brilliant, we love it, and everything like that, and everything's great and wonderful. It's actually in those moments where I find an equal challenge. Because in those moments, everything feels good, 
But like I've, we've talked about before, if I don't intentionally choose to engage in love, and intentionally pursue, choose to pursue love, and intentionally choose to remind myself of his love for me, then I can slip into fear, even in the good points. And therefore, for me, the challenge this week has been, yes, facing those things which cause anxiety and, and, and stepping out against those things. But it's also been in the good moments, going, no, no, I've not been given a spirit of fear, but power of the sound money. It looks ridiculous. It's like it's sunny, everything is wonderful. And it, look, it sounds daft, but it's actually going, no, okay, in that point, I'm still going to exercise. In that point, I'm still going to work and remind myself that I live based on love and I don't live based on fear. And I found myself this week, the amazing thing is I found myself this week almost feel, and it sounds quite odd, almost feel a bit stronger and a bit more robust against things that would normally be, be, be situations that would cause anxiety in me. And by no means am I there, but I found that. And I really believe it's a sense of like, actually, I'm going to be, it is like exercise. I'm going to be bold in my declaration and my stance when I'm facing difficult situations, but also bold in my declaration and my stance when I'm not. And make sure in both those situations, I'm saying, look, look, I'm not living based on fear. I'm not letting it drive and motivate me when I feel it, but also when I don't feel it. And for me, it's causing a, a strength that comes because it's, um, thank you, God, that I, you love me. Thank you that I live a life compelled by love and free from fear. Thank you that you cause who I am to be more than enough. That just a declaration that it's there. And again, it's like that tenacity. It's like, am I going to call out? Am I going to say, actually, but I'm going to take this by the scruff of the neck and say, this is what's going to happen in this situation. Not because I'm being psyching myself up or because I'm making work by my own effort, but because I've caught something of who Jesus is. I've caught something like that. And in those moments, I'm going to say, no, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to be the reality. This, this is what's going to be there. I'm going to call out because I know that that situation will break through. I know that I will probably in the next few weeks face situations that scare me goodness knows how much okay but in those moments i know there's a breakthrough because i know that's who god is i know that's who he is in those moments where like blind bartimaeus i can't see the outcome being positive i can't see how i'm possibly going to get this situation i can't see how it's possibly going to be any easier than it is right now i know in those moments that he is faithful I know in those moments who he is. I know in those moments that he is love. And I will call out. And when I'm faced with the things that scare me the most, I'll still step out. Not because I'm bold or because I'm amazing, but because I know who he is. And I know it. And when we step out, we are causing fear to flood away. And love to reign. Not just for us, but in this realm. And it changes the atmosphere. It changes the environment. It changes the, the kind of places we are because love starts to dominate and fear starts to dissipate. So my encouragement to us all is be like blind Bartimaeus. Be there where we kind of actually go, I'm going to call out. I'm going to step out. I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to do these things because I'm going to go against that thing which causes me most fear. The fear of disappointment. The fear of failure. Okay, yeah, that I faced it, but so what? I'm going to call out even more. I'm going to step out even more. I'm going to do it even more now because that doesn't dictate to me. Jesus dictates to me. Love dictates to me. Those things dictate to me. And even when I feel it, and, and being alongside people, going, look, I feel rubbish right now. They're going, no, no, come on, we can do this. It's not an individual thing. It's not like it's just me against the world. It's like us standing together. 
picking up the phone and texting, going, look, I'm really struggling with this right now, we just pray. Because it's us against that. It's us with him going, look, we're going to see fear eradicated from our city. Imagine being in a city where there was no fear. I can't even imagine what it looks like. But imagine it. Imagine being in an environment where people just aren't scared. Where fear just doesn't influence and affect decisions made at all kinds of levels. In a family home where we're scared and therefore we shout and we snap at our children or our spouse. Or in a government council where they're making decisions because they're scared. And everywhere in between. Imagine if it didn't exist. And people made decisions because of love. It'd be beautiful. Beautiful. And that's what we're going for. That's what we do. And every time I step out, every time you step out, that's what we work towards. Because in those moments that might seem small and insignificant, it's going, no, no, fear doesn't have a place. Love has a place. And I'm not just changing it for me. I'm changing it for everything. Because in this area, it's being flooded out. So Jesus, thank you for you. Thank you that you are intentional and purposeful towards us in your love. And thank you you've given us that same spirit of power, love and sound mind. That same spirit that says, no, no, we can be purposeful and intentional as well. And this week I just ask that there would be such a sense of love, such a great awareness of your love for us, such a great awareness of how close you are to us, such a great awareness of how for us you are, how pleased with us you are. That in those moments when we are toying between do I step out or just go away, that sense of love will just cause us to step out anyway. Let let there be a greater sense of of, us knowing we can pick up the phone or just send a message to help. I need some prayer right now. In those moments, in Jesus' name, let, let this week be a week of breakthrough like no other. A week of breakthrough against fear like no other. A week of breakthrough into the realms of love like no other. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week, everybody.